and it's a greetings and salutations and a very warm welcome to another funky episode of Unfunky Self, a place where you can unfunk, talk freely and reset. I do hope that you're all doing well. Are you enjoying spring, the extra light that we've got in the evening? Certainly doing a lot to lift my spirits right now. I hope they're lifting yours. Now, here at Unfunky Self, I've promised to bring you the very best in conversations about different topics where we can challenge the bias, talk about mindset, mental health, and continue the charge on creating a better vision for all of our futures by sharing journeys, the advice and the influences on those journeys, which can often inspire others and support a lot of motivation. Now, you are in for a treat today. She is a wonderful mum and wife. She's a friend and a colleague to many. She is a strong ambassador for equality and the empowerment of women. I'm really looking forward to this session. She's positive, she's inquisitive, she is a champion of development herself. And I'm quite lucky and fortunate to have her because I get her on the cusp of a new appointment and she's going to tell us more about that a little bit later on. So Lisa Henning, how are you? I'm very well, thanks Lindsay, and you? I'm extraordinarily good. I'm I'm feeling very spring like the daffodils in the garden are making me very happy. <laughs> I know. I think we're all looking to anything at the moment now that gives us a bit of a positive lift. So it's good. Absolutely. And thanks for that wonderful introduction and thanks for having me. I feel a real privilege. It's great that you've asked me. Thank you very much. No, I, I mutual love here right in the room because I just feel really lucky that I've got you on this cusp of energy. You know, you've you've kind of gone through the pandemic, you've had a bit of time with your family and to yourself, and you're now going to be going into this new venture and a new position as managing director, and that is... Gosh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to talk to you more about that a little bit later on. But how did you find the process of preparing for our podcast today? Because um, it was quite an eye opener, I believe. Well, when you, um, you know, when you reached out and asked me to do this, I, I was like, yeah, of course, and didn't, you know, think too much of what that would involve. And when you sent me um, the email and said, have a look at this, you know, and you, you called it this wild writing exercise. And I thought, what, what is this? What does it entail? So I printed it off and I was half doing something else, if I'm completely honest, at the same time. And then when I got into it, I was absolutely amazed at the outcome and the findings that I had in myself. And to explain that a little bit further, I, I started... Um, and three hours later, I was still doing this exercise of wild <laughs> writing. And something that it really threw out to me was things that I felt were absolute key, important, impressionable moments. Actually, I could find two or three lines to write about it. And it was that reflection on, you know, I'm 41 this year. And the things that I felt had the biggest influence actually I've carried that around and aren't necessarily true. So it was a huge learning curve in I need to reflect more. I need to go back more. And I'm, I'm absolutely going forward in the new role. We'll be doing something like this exercise. It was, you know, thank you, really, because it was really incredible and such an eye opener <laughs> for me. I think it's almost 
cathartic in one way where, you know, I go through a lot of my coaching saying, don't focus on the past, you know, let go. It's all about the present and the future. But one thing that self-reflection is really good for is highlighting those moments and life experiences and events that you've had in your past that you once thought was magnificent and quite big and quite influential and then you've you've obviously looked back and gone no that's not true you know and it's quite surprising and eye-opening yeah yeah and and the example I give you is um you know working overseas was tremendous Mm. for me and it was 11 years of you know my career which is a huge part of the career and you know to massively positive things that came out of that was one I met my husband Paul um, and two I had my daughter Emmy Grace overseas so you know from an influence point of view in terms of life absolutely the two biggest things in my life Um, however from a professional um, and work point of view and the learnings yes I learned the hard work yes I learned the work ethic and probably my biggest learning was man management whilst overseas and having to work Mm. as a team across many Mm. different um, aspects of the of the business but it was more for me I thought that's where I got my um, you know my if you like my seriousness and my drive into senior management but actually it wasn't yes it was brilliant fun yes I met my best friend and husband yes I had my daughter um, but equally, actually, from a work point of view, that wasn't where I think I started my professional career, if you like. It was very much um, towards wow. the end of that. And, you know, and that was when I was 30. So I'd gone from um, leaving school until I hit 30, which completely threw me when I was doing the exercise. And, I, you know, I've done lots of coaching. I've done lots of um, other exercises. So this this um, opportunity has been great for me personally. That's stunning. Thank you so much, Lisa. You mentioned, um, of course, at your school days. And tell us a bit about you growing up and where you grew up and your school life and go back to really where it all started for you. Well, growing up, so I'm actually one of five. Um, so uh, mum and dad, yeah, mum and dad divorced when uh, I was five and mum went off um, and had, you know, uh, my brother and my uh, dad then had um two girls so um we're very much a uh, you know although in 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 the world it's step families etc we I don't view it as anything like that we're absolutely um a, a tight family um and I'm really fortunate that um all my brothers and sisters uh, we're very close um I you know I can reach out to them at any point all of us have taken different paths in life um but I'm sure my mum is immensely uh-huh. proud of of where we all are um on our journeys um and I think for me, that grounding from growing up, um, you know, mum at one point had three jobs, um, was always working. I've always had strong females in my in my world. Both my grandparents, my nan, um, both nans were extremely hardworking. Um, and that family unit, that, that feeling of love and belonging, um, unfortunate, has always been there. Um, so what, whatever's happened in the world, what's ever going on in, in my life, I know I have that. Um, and that's really important for me. And growing up, you know, at school, um, as brothers and sisters, we were all very different. I am the mm-hmm. I am the eldest. Um, and 
growing up was hard. It was tough, you know. Um, as I said, mum had three uh-huh. jobs and often she sacrificed time with us to, to do that. Um, but equally, um, I think, you know, I, back then I learned you get out what you put in. And absolutely at school, I took the decision that I wanted to work hard, I wanted to better myself, and I wanted to move out of the village. The only way I was going to achieve that was working hard. Now, it's okay me wanting and feeling that. Um, however, the teachers, um, and I say the teachers, there were a couple um, that maybe weren't as positive to me um, and weren't as supportive. Um, and, you know, very clearly when we were doing our careers evening and I said, because back then this this was the terminology, which was, you know, when I, when I grow up, I want to be a boss. And I remember um, my mm. head of year turned around and said, that doesn't happen to people like you that you need to think think again and gave me the piece wow. of paper back and i remember at that time thinking oh my god that's it i can't i, ca- I can't do it it's impossible and then i thought to myself wh- why why can it not happen to me why is it not and he said you know you uh, you you won't be able to go to university from a financial point of view college was was a tough ask because we were from a little village um and yeah okay financially the funds maybe weren't there to support that um so i decided that do you know what and i went and joined a white what was back to the yts modern apprentice scheme i remember that and i remember (laughs) working um in a business and earning 45 pounds a week and at that point I was saving to then be able to go to college that was what I wanted what I thought I had to do um but actually I got into the world of work I got into that environment and in Mm -hmm. that in my first workplace um it was all senior men who ran the business Mm -hmm. and so I in my back of my head I've still got you know that's how it is Okay, I've, there is so much in that first 10 minute section of, of what you've just been talking about. I've been writing things down. I'm, I'm so desperate to ask you lots and lots of questions. And I think first and foremost, you're the eldest of five. That, that's a lot of responsibility when the family dynamic changed. And did you feel a shift in your mindset when that happened? Did you feel a responsibility to support your mum and help your your siblings out? What was the mindset change there? Did that have to happen for you? Um, I think I'm really fortunate in that both mum and dad um, ensured that there was so much love still for all of us from both wow. sides. And actually, um, if... Uh, you know, on reflection, I think we almost got more um, because, you know, we did have two different families, if you like. So I never felt a sense of responsibility to my siblings. What I did feel a sense of was um, times were tough and, you know, we we weren't as fortunate as others. So there were times when I felt that 
I had to be extra protective maybe and I had to I was very protective of our family and our world and you know children are not very kind and if you don't have the best pair of shoes and you don't have the best trainers um you know and your mum doesn't Mm. drive the best car people are very children are very quick to share that so it was probably more of a outside protection that I felt I, I wanted to give but no from a family point of view I think that we were really fortunate that the love was absolutely still there. So we we got it from a parental point of view without having to give it sibling-wise, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely makes perfect sense. And how amazing that your parents worked together, even though they weren't together, in order to provide that for all of you. I think that's outstanding. And I applaud that kind of mentality from your parents' point of view. Um, you were surrounded by what I'm getting a sense from you is some really strong female um, influences in your lives. You know, your mum and then, you know, you said you've got your grandma, et cetera. And that must have been quite um, an influence and a driving force for you, especially when you were then going into school and being told at a careers uh, tutoring level no you can't do that so what did your mum say when you went back to tell her that this is what what had gone on what was her point of view on that front for you um my mum has always been um somebody who's worked hard um and that might be in the workplace or it might be working hard at you know a family because having four of us at home I'm absolutely sure it's far easier for her to go to work um and you know, she's always said to me, you will be whatever you want to be. She's immensely proud. Um, And I think, you know, both grandparents, my um, one gran set up her own grocery store that grew and grew and grew. And she had an amazing business. And I was lucky enough from the age of nine to be part of that. So that was a huge influence. Um, And my other and my other gran who, um, you know, she was a head chef at a hotel. She was bringing up Um, her children um, on her own at the time and I was a huge part of her life and you know she'd be up at half five five o'clock in the morning go and do the breakfast be back home do the housework go back to cook the lunches at the hotel come back to prepare the tea go back to be the um, evening chef you know she'd have 14 16 18 hour days and you never once heard her complain she always did it with the biggest heart the biggest smile and you know it's it's that that I look at and you know those three um strong females gave me a really good grounding and without having to say it showed me that you can achieve what you want to achieve you don't need anybody you don't need anybody else's permission you don't need to ask anybody else you were very fortunate to have those women in your life as really strong role models you know I think it's it's obvious that they were such a huge influence in you and it's just gosh it it absolutely worries me and terrifies me that you know these career teachers and I know that there are still um I don't know what they're called now in secondary schools but you still have this chat about what you want to do and what direction you want to go in and I think that there is a, a duty of care and a responsibility almost to really carefully choose what you say to a child that's so impressionable over what they want to do what they can and can't do if you had the opportunity to kind of go back and see that guy again who said this to you what on earth would you say what would you say to him 
Oh, you know, it makes me really emotional because I think to myself, the power of words is just absolutely incredible. And I, mm. you know, that, and I'll share something else with you. Um, when I was fortunate, and we're skipping forward a little bit, but this is how powerful those words were um, to me. When I was fortunate enough to win the Every Woman Leader of Change Award um, recently um, for in travel, you know, that was a huge moment for me, um, personally and professionally, for various reasons. Um, and two things, the first two things that I thought before I'd even got up from my chair to walk to, to collect the ward were, one, the first one was how proud Paul and Emmy Grace will be because we'd gone through this journey and the nerves and excitement together. But the very second thing that I thought was about those teachers' words and saying to me, you won't do that. It doesn't happen to people like you. You know, I've carried that since 13, 14 years of age, and I'm now 41, I would go back and, and you know, explain the impact that that has had. Now, yes, it, it sounds really harsh, but it's equally driven me. So, you know, it, it had a, it's had yeah. a negative impact, but it also did, it also did drive me. And each time I've achieved something, I still think, think back to that moment and think, hmm, Maybe you were slightly wrong there. Yeah, do you know what? It's I had a very similar conversation yesterday, and I think a lot of our listeners will resonate with this, is we look at what's been said to us in the past can really stay with us, and it, it, we carry it forward with us. That's our story. It's part of what can become our limiting beliefs. And yet... When we do reflect and have an opportunity to self-reflect on things like that, particularly when we start to achieve and be ambitious and move on, is that they are gifts in a way, in a weird way, in a bizarre macabre way, yeah. if you want to talk about it like that. They can become gifts that drive us, that make us strive to achieve even more. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I think that is down to perception. And I'm so glad that you've managed to flip that around and say actually I used that I used yeah. what he said you know it was a negative and I carried that for such a long time but you know what in your face I got an award yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember you getting that award it's so so much to celebrate you uh, having that award so yeah absolutely so um take us a little bit further so you you went through school and you had this said to you and then you entered the workplace on a YTS scheme which for those of you who are a lot younger than, yeah, than absolutely. I um, if you can um it's like a modern apprenticeship isn't it it's like yeah. perhaps what an MVQ in the workplace is nowadays so um the youth training scheme so tell me a little bit more about what impacted you your journey there um, well, when I when I joined, um, I, as I said, I was joining purely to try and save some money so I would be able to go to college. Um, I um, loved being in that environment. I loved being in the workplace. And actually, it was um, a business that sold stainless steel. So you can imagine wow. it wasn't the most um, exciting product to sell. But um, I was really fortunate and I worked really hard and I did really well. Um, and, you know, um, they gave me an opportunity there to remove myself from the scheme, which I'm forever grateful for, and then join join the business. 
Um, and I was working, you know, oh, wow. five, six days a week. Um, and I was only 19, 20. All my friends were out partying, having a good time. And it was fantastic. I was earning great money. I was progressing through the business. Um, but I felt like I was missing something. I, I can't, um, the only way to explain it is I felt like uh, I was probably 70% there and 30% I needed to achieve something else. I, I've always said I wanted to move away from the village. I wanted to, that's what college or university was going to give me. Um, and whilst there, I had an opportunity to go and work overseas. And, you know, they were so good. Initially, they um, allowed me that time and said, your job is open. We, you know, we welcome you back with open arms. Go do it for six months. Um, you know, after 11 years, I couldn't expect them to keep the job, the door open any, any further. <laughs> um, but, you know, again, having that ability or that comfort to be able to go and do that, again, I'm forever grateful that they, they allowed me that. Um, but again, it was a very strong male environment. It was a, a, a sales environment, yes, um, but all of the mm. senior people were were male so again in in my head I've taken from what the teacher has said I'm now in reality and yes it it is all males and this isn't about male or female it's purely helping people to understand my journey and why my thoughts are as they are absolutely and so when you're in a situation where it's very male dominated and did you feel compromised? How were you able to adapt your mindset? Did it affect your mental health? Was there any um, flashes of imposter syndrome or was it was it a choice? Because what I'm getting from you is a sense of this is my choice. I am determined. You know, there's a determination about you, Lisa, that, you know, is quite strong. How did you cope in that environment in order to be heard, in order to be seen? And um, I was, uh, I wouldn't say that I felt compromised at all, because I said it, you know, they, they helped me onto my journey. And, you know, if I hadn't have been given that opportunity, who knows where I would be um, today. So, you know, I am forever grateful for that. Um, I think what it did in my mind was, you know, the careers advisor, the head of the year had told me that it didn't happen to people like me. And this was almost proof that at senior level, it didn't happen to people like me. So mm. I wasn't, I was still questioning, but why? But I was having my, you know, what I'd been told was now was now um, reality. What I did see there was, um, it was my choice on how I adapt myself, how I fit in, how I make myself better, what can I do to be better? Um, and that probably was my first realisation that, um, you know, I have to work at me. So yes, I could learn the systems. Yes, I could learn their training ways. But actually, everybody's different. And the only thing that I have that is unique is me and, and how to be me. Um, I think from a male point of view, you know, I was very fortunate. The males there were all were all really good and um, and welcoming. Um, but equally, you know, I've got a strong male background as well with regards to my uncles, who I'm really close to. And my father, you know, my dad um, has always been an encourager and always 
his line always is, remember, nobody gives you anything. He, so all he said throughout my whole life is, nobody gives you anything. You only, you have to earn it. And I think from that point of view, all of these things were becoming a reality in that workplace. How fantastic that your your dad, you know, you seem to be surrounded by this enormous bubble of love where they've given you these, these little nuances and anecdotes and sayings that you've carried with you through your life to give you strength. You know, they've it's almost perfection when you look at a textbook and think that they've given you this advice to go forward with. And when you're in an environment such as going overseas and being presented with quite a male-dominated um, employee force, for, for want of a better word, where yeah. you are then able to adapt and be versatile enough to know that you have to be your authentic self in order to create the world, create your own personal brand and your yeah. own personal power. Because far too many people, I think, try and be somebody else when they're in an environment in order to compete or get ahead. And that then leads to a downfall. So I think that you have been amazing in, in growing your true authentic self and being your true authentic self, which is fantastic. Now, I'm keen to know, you had your, you became a mom. You had your baby when you were abroad, didn't you? Yes, I, mean, I did. How, in my mind, I'm thinking this is all, you know, the, the safety and comfort of the NHS and everything else. How did that even become a thing? Because you met Paul when you were working abroad and, yeah. and then you had your baby. I know. Wow. Um, well, it's uh, Paul and I um, got together actually in my first season overseas. So um, we're really fortunate. And I think, you know, we're really lucky that we got to do that whole journey um, together. He did have a few years um, overseas before before he met me. Um, and I, I think, you know, overseas was our life. We, we made it our world. Paul had an amazing job. Uh, I was doing really well. Uh, and you know it was it was normality for us it was it was what was normal so you know to be pregnant and have a baby over there again was extremely was was not was the norm for us um what it did what I wasn't prepared for and bearing in mind being overseas you become very uh, we were very reliant on each other and we only had each other yes we had friends but in terms mm. of family it was just Paul and I um which was absolutely you know fine um and then you bring little Emmy Grace into that. And what we didn't, what I didn't, um, you know, take into account was how hard that would be with no family. I know parents always say, you know, new parents yeah. say, God, we're sick of seeing people or we're sick of seeing, but it's okay being sick of seeing people, but to see nobody and have nobody, that was really, really tough. That's when you've got to dig. And we had a few complications with Emmy Grace and she was quite premature so it was all of this going on um, and it was just Paul and I so yeah it was tough but we just we just did it and you just get through it and you know it, each day is a new day and it, it, it's the greatest thing that I've ever achieved in my whole life is being Emmy Grace's mum without a shadow wow. of a doubt. The best job in the world hey? Oh, <laughs> the best the job in the absolute, world the absolute best so tell me what happened you must have come back to the UK 
What did you do when you landed back in the UK with Paul and your new baby? Well, we came back when Emmy Grace was six months old. Um, so we moved back to the UK um, and Paul had uh, um, a job um, before me and I was decided because Emmy Grace was six months old. I decided that I was going to have this year off um, and, you know, it was going to be perfect and everything. And then um, I'd put my CV out uh, to a few places and I got a call offering me a couple of days a week um, at a cruise company. And I said, well, I could probably, I could probably do a couple of days a week. You know, I, I was itching a little bit to get back to work. So we, I went mm-hmm. back um, two days a week. That two days a week then became three days a week. And then I got offered a, a quite a senior position there with big opportunity. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest crossroads that I'd faced um, ever. So yes, going overseas was tough and yes, moving back was tough, but this was now questioning my, how I saw it, questioning my ability to be a good mum or a bad mum. That's how I viewed life at that point. Um, and, you know, how bad am I? I have a six month old baby and I'm, I'm desperate to go back to work and I have this amazing opportunity, wow. but from my point of view, how, what do others people think? How, how does that relate to me? Is Emmy Grace going to suffer? Um, so that was a real crossroads um, again there. And people often say, mm. well, you know, you had a choice. You know, you could have just said no. Yeah, okay, we all mm. have different choices. But it, it, for me, Emmy Grace brings a whole new meaning and world when, we, when we're making these choices. Um, so I, I decided, you know, mm. um, Paul was very supportive and always has been. Um, and I went to work um, at, at the cruise company um, and progressed and did extremely well. Um, you know, I went from a customer service manager to sales manager to commercial and sales director. And then I was running the whole um, organization. So, you know, it paid off, it worked. Um, but again, that came with a crossroads at the beginning. Lisa, what advice would you give to mums who are not in that position? They want to go back to work. They, they've got this mum guilt, as I know that a lot of people call it. What advice would you give to mums who are at that crossroads, not knowing if it's the right decision, if they think that they're a bad mum for wanting to go back to work or do something different other than just to 24-7 be at home? I think, um, you know, and and it is each, everyone will come to their own conclusion. Um, But it's a bit the same as you apply, that I apply anyway, in life or work or anything. Um, You truly know yourself um, and people will form opinions and people will make assumptions. But you truly know yourself. Um, And if you can be Mm. honest with yourself first then, you know, that sets you in good stead. And if you want to go back to work, it's okay to want to go back to work because your happiness, you know, the way that you feel will impact your child from a positive or negative. And, you know, financially, for some people, it isn't a choice. So you have to kind of look mm. at look mm. at the factors. But the biggest thing is look at yourself and ask yourself, is that something that you want to do? Um, if the answer is yes, then, you know, you you need to be okay. You need to let yourself off a little bit and you need to be okay with going into that work environment. And remember, 
we're all role models for our children. So, you know, for me, I, I wanted Emmy Grace to see and feel um, and not go back, you know, going back to the school world. I don't want that to be her impression and her role model. I don't want that um, outside influence. I want the influence to come from within, within home and her see me going out to work and, you know, having um, great positions and the benefits that come with that equally as well. Um, so for me, um, mum guilt is always there. It's still, it's there every single day, regardless of whatever you do. Don't try and fight uh-huh. it, accept mm. it, talk it through. And, you know, I talk it through with Emmy Grace now. She's nearly 12 and she understands. Um, <laughs> and, and, you ha- and you have to, you know... It, there's, no, there's not a right or wrong, but don't give up on something because you feel society tells you that you should. You know, I went, I remember I hadn't, bearing in mind, I work, worked away a lot and um, I hadn't been to the school gates for, I, I can't, you know, a, a very long time. And when I got there, um, a couple mm. of the mums, you know, made comments and, oh, we never see you. Oh, we didn't think you existed, laughing and joking. Wow. But, you know, that's oh, if you allow that kind of um, opinion and those people to get into your mind, then you're not being true to you because actually you can do what you want to do. That's such great advice. Thank you for letting us in on that. And I think that there'll be a lot of our listeners who are mums who are suffering with that do I, don't I, and what to do. So, Thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. So, Lisa, tell me about what happened after you left that job because you got to the position that you were in and then you yeah. moved on. Yeah, well, um, then that business um, was going through a buyout um, and, um, you know, changing direction, changing strategy. So, um, for me, uh, it was time to move on. Um I'd worked, um, I'd been fortunate enough to work there with um, Cy Morris Green, who some of you might may know. Um, and he's, you know, always been uh, a great friend, a great colleague and someone who will and has and will continue to have um, influence and support over me. Um, and he uh, had started a new role and he said, come and, you know, come and have a think, come and have a look um, and see see if you like what we're about, etc. So I was very uh, fortunate that he, he did that. Um, and I've, I've then um, moved on. Initially, I went into the role for six months. It was going to be a temporary role to help with the homework mm-hmm. inside of their business. Um, and again, that very quickly become <laughs> um, six months, I believe, turned into seven and a half years. So um, it's slight, slightly <laughs> um, longer <laughs> than, than planned. <laughs> But absolute testament to the kind of person that you are, your tenacity, your ambition, your nurturing side, your want uh, to do the best that you can for the best of the people who you work with. Um, because I've always heard nothing but good things about you, Lisa. Everybody oh, thank you. raves about how amazing that you are. Um, I'm interested to know what obstacles that you came across whilst you were there, how you overcame them, um, what you did mindset-wise and mental health-wise, and more from an empowerment side as well on how you managed to get through. Um, I think, you know, firstly, um, it, 
it's uh, you know I'm speaking from my opinion and my my view on on the world and I think um you know it, it's known that um I've been you know I'm fortunate enough to be a shareholder and um, I, I was I've been a COO um but these positions haven't just happened um and something mm. that you know I, I often speak to Emmy Grace about is the challenges that come mm-hmm. with wanting of to course. better yourself and wanting to mm. be better so going into um, a business um, and working in a team is great. When you start and explore the boardroom and when you start and explore the politics that come with that, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I would love mm-hmm. to sit here and say that, um, you know, either the male versus female issues gone or the sexism's gone, you know, all, there's still lots of issues that we have in the workplace and from my personal experience of, uh, you know, I've been in uh, boardrooms in three different businesses I've worked for. Um, the first board uh, meeting that I attended uh, stopped at 3.15 for one of the directors to ask me, did I need to leave? And I questioned why. And they said, well, you're a mum. Do you not need to go and pick up your child? Isn't that what mums do? You know, and I'm not talking a huge you know, that many like, years wow. ago. And and you, you know, at the time, I'm frustrated. I reflect back and think, why did I not stand up for myself there? How did I? But I was so unprepared for that. I was so um, shocked course, yeah. that I kind of allowed that to happen. And what continued to happen within within the boardroom is that I would go in. Um, with with the expectation that I wanted to shout and talk about all of the great things that my team were doing, the successes we'd had, the successes of how far they've become. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a huge champion of developing individuals. Mm-hmm. When I move forward, I want everyone to move forward with me. It's not me, it's us together as a team. And I, you know, used to spend Absolutely. so much time preparing that. Um, but what in reality would happen is I would enter the boardroom and I would almost be on the defence. So my time to talk was always defending because people would find reasons to, you know, pick one thing where one person out of 45 people were not performing. And we'd spend a huge amount of time on um, on an energy, on looking at the negatives. And I would leave the boardroom thinking I feel mentally and physically battered. And this happened a few times. Now, yeah. yes, I could have gone to somebody else to ask them to solve that. But everybody that could have solved that was in that room. So, And you had to be pretty... Uh, you had to be not on the ball to see what was happening. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to fix this myself. I am going to change the way that I enter the boardroom. I'm going to change my mindset when I enter that boardroom. And I am going to change how I deliver because I'm not doing the team the justice that they deserve I'm not giving them the credit they're working extra hours they're working early mornings they're working late nights we're having the biggest successes yet no one's talking about it because I'm allowing myself to get caught up into this complete and utter defensive um world where and all what all that's happening is I'm feeling mentally and physically drained no one's really understanding what's going on in mm. any of my areas and 
the people mm. that are doing this are are happy because they're I'm feeding their need to want to highlight the fact that they think that I'm not doing a very good job. So that was really, mm. really tough. Um, and being able to do that again is not easy. It's not something that I I wish I could have been more prepared. I wish I'd have had somebody to help me going into that into that room. Um, and I wish mm. it didn't. I wish it didn't exist, but it does. So for me, I'm a real strong believer in we have to help prepare male and females going into the boardroom, what that world potentially can look like. And I know many businesses and many CEOs will say it doesn't exist here. I absolutely challenge that mm. 100% because it's not the culture maybe that they want or it doesn't exist um, maybe in their part of the business that they're looking at. But I would challenge anyone to say that their work environment is perfect because it won't be. There will be somebody somewhere who actually is core to um, not wanting others to do well. Gosh, this is, it's full of golden stuff, this Lisa, honestly. Anybody that's listening to this that works in an environment, you're in a boardroom position or you're aspiring to be in a boardroom position, um, Take note from Lisa, you know, I think she's given us some really golden moments there to listen to and to act upon. We could even do another podcast session, I reckon, on how to yeah, become boardroom ready and yeah, women's confidence. Absolutely. Um, I know that that wasn't easy to perhaps share or it was easy to share, you know, because it's something that you are um, you're so passionate about is like you said, you not only are you moving forward, but everyone else is moving forward with you. Like I said, at the very start, you are a champion of women's empowerment and development, which is fantastic. Now, what I want to ask you is we've all kind of had the last year at home. Um, what has been the last 12 months for you? What has hit, what's it looked like for you? Well, um, initially, um, very scary, um, very different, um, but, you know, very unknown. I found myself in a strange place, which was um, being at home and then being at home with everybody else being at home. So um, it's slightly different, I think, for me, from someone who's gone from 150 miles an hour, seven days a week, 24 hours a day to almost a mm -hmm. light switch. Um, I have to say, for me personally, um, it's it's been fantastic. Um, I, without sounding too cheesy, um, I feel like I've reconnected at home. I've uh, I, Paul's really good um, at keeping wow. making me keep it real. <laughs> um, he's very good at um, <laughs> at supporting um, everything that I do. Um, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I achieve without him. Um, equally. Uh, you know, he. I feel that he's very fortunate in the fact that he had so much time with Emmy Grace that I didn't. This year has given me, you know, the best year with um, with Emmy Grace. It's been incredible. Um, I found my love for fitness again, so I've taken up running, which is which has been good. Um, but something that hasn't Amazing. lost me 
um, but throughout the whole way is I still need a to-do list, I still need a focus, and I still need a structure. So I, I, I've had to keep that to keep me sane, if you like. Um, and and yeah, it's it's it. What it has been is, you know, a huge time for reflection. And I think many people have done this in terms of their, you know, their lives. Um, and I have and still do have some amazing friends in this industry and seeing how tough they've worked, seeing, um, you know, the challenges they faced. I'm so proud and I've they've constantly mm. been in my thoughts Um, slightly um, frustrating that I can't do anything to help them. Um, that's that's been tough, but over, but overall, it's been a great opportunity for me to spend some time at home. Absolutely, I think it's one thing that the pandemic has given us. I call them COVID blessings, and I think the biggest thing for a lot of people has been time, and that's something that you can't buy, you can never get yeah. back. Time is precious. And to have used that time wisely to reconnect with various aspects of your life is, a, again, a true testament to the person who you are. So that's amazing. Um, Lisa, what can women, young people, young women do to help themselves as they come out of the pandemic? Because at the fore of my mind is we need our own roadmap to come out of the pandemic. So yeah. how, what advice have you got for people as we start to turn towards June 21? Um, I think, you know, it's not too early and hopefully people have been taking care of themselves throughout the whole time. The quicker that you can adapt your mindset to it's going to get better you know, and it, again, it goes back to a cliche, but we're in a challenging time at the moment, but it is at mm. the moment. Um, if you like, some of our lives are on pause is how I've viewed it. Um, but it will come off pause. You will press play again and you will go again and it will be better. So the quicker you can adapt a mindset that means that this isn't forever, whatever your challenge is. Um, and, you know, something that um, someone once said to me was, you know, what, what's meant for you won't go by you. So things happen, things happen for a reason. Um, it would be to make sure you have this mindset where you know we're in a moment of time, this isn't forever. And then you need to think about what does life look like for you and make it happen. It yeah. isn't going to come to you. Unfortunately, fairy tales, you know, are are a fairy tale and the world doesn't necessarily bring everything to you you have to go out for it you have to know what you want and really want it something that used to make me laugh is I'd walk into the office and some of the girls and boys would be at the um, desks and they'd be eating fruit in the morning and I'd say oh that's look very healthy and they'd say yeah I'm on a diet by two o'clock the crisps would be out <laughs> chocolate would be out and I say I thought you were on a diet and they'd be like yeah, I'm going to start tomorrow, you know, that, and I, I love them all <laughs> for it. And, you know, it's, it, it used to make me smile, but unless you want to go and be somebody, or unless you want to go and do a job, you have to want to do it. And once you want to do it, write it yeah. down, say it to yourself, tell other people, because it makes you then harder for you to go back onto it. And um, so I would, and invest. Yeah, it makes you more accountable, doesn't it? Yeah. 
absolutely invest that time into oh, yeah. you and what do you really want life to look like post pandemic don't just go with the flow and take a role because it's there try and manipulate it so you get offered the role that you want to get offered Oh, that's perfect advice. Thank you for that, Lisa. What are the most important three things that we need to have in our lives? How how should we unfunk ourselves? Um, You've already said commit, take action and be accountable. But, you know, in a self-care way. In a self-care way, um, for me, um, the first thing you have to have is love. And love is love. You give love, you receive love family, friends, um, you know, that for me, that love and support that you can get, um, it, you nothing. if you don't have that, for me personally, you're, you don't have a solid foundation. So once you know you have that, anything else can go wrong, but you've got that as your solid foundation. Um, self-worth, you, everybody must have self-worth. Mm. And don't confuse that with looking at self-esteem. It has to be self worth you have to know inside of you what you're worth what your values are um and make sure you're not relying you know self-esteem when you need other outside factors to make you feel great that isn't what i'm talking about i'm talking about you and your self-worth and occasionally i will look back and write down the things that i've achieved where i've come from what i've done what the team have done and just remind yourself every now and again i'm worthy of this I deserve it, you know, and I've worked for it. No one's given it to me. I've got it. So love, self-worth, and also then, um, you know, a healthy mindset. And a healthy mindset covers everything, professionally, personally, um, want the best for others, want to champion others, want to celebrate the success of others, Um, it's really unhealthy to be in a world where you find yourself judging others, whether you're not supportive, and because that says there's an issue somewhere going on inside and it goes back to the self-worth. Sure. That isn't the person mm. you want to be. Absolutely. Three little gems right there. Lisa, where do you get your strength from? I get it, I would say... Um, I've taught myself a a lot, but a lot of it comes back to family, family growing up, family now. Um, If you have strong foundations and you know no matter what, you have the support of your family, then anything else you can you can cope with. Anything else is fixable. Anything else is, is mendable. And for those that don't have that, they have, you know, I have some amazing friends. You know, I spoke about Cy earlier and I have yeah. Alexis Coles Barreso, you know, both two massive influential people in my life that are not family, but they are yeah. equally as important as family so it doesn't have to be blood family it's your family your community absolutely I think friends are the family you choose and you know you surround yourself with people who are like sunshine they will forever be your supporters and your champions Lisa I always end um the podcast um with the with some same things and one of these things is if you could go back to your 13 year old self or talking to Emmy Grace what would you say what advice would you give to them 
buckle up for the ride because um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely buckle up for the ride. Um, but don't give up. If you yeah, want absolutely. it, if you want it, you can achieve it. And I would tell myself, you know, don't be so harsh on yourself. Don't, okay. you know, more time for self-reflection and looking at achievement. Um, and I wish I'd maybe learn about man management um, and developing people earlier than I did um, because it's one of my favourite parts of um, my role now. Um, so I wish yeah. I'd opened up to that yeah. a little bit earlier. Um, but other than that, it, it is going to be tough, it, it, but it's worth it. And if yeah. you want it, you will get it and you will achieve it. Oh, that's perfect. Are there any books that you've read or listened to? Are there any podcasts that you've listened to? Is there any social media that you love that you could recommend to listeners that can draw their attention to things that you love, things that influence you, things that have helped you on the way? Is there any one of those or all of them that you could recommend? Um, for me, there uh, somebody uh, shared with me, I don't know if you've heard of The Man in the Glass. It's a poem. Um written by Dale Wimborne and it was back goes back to 1934 so if anybody wants to have a little google of that and look up um that for me that is about looking at who you are and um when you read the poem you'll understand a lot of what I've spoken about today is about being true to yourself and the core of you so that's um that's wow. something that I um that stuck with me and the other person that I never ever bore of listening to is the Joe Malone story of course we all love a Joe Malone perfume so oh gosh, it's yeah. not it's not the reason that I <laughs> oh love gosh, this yeah. story um I've listened to several podcasts I've read the book and if there is ever a definition of somebody who had nothing and had everything, but yeah. at times that everything was absolutely irrelevant to her, um, you know, her story is just incredible. And if ever I'm having a moment of, um, you know, let's have a bit of pick me up or let's let's reflect, let's look back. I always put a bit of Jo Malone podcast on because it never for me, she is an absolute inspiration. And for me, you are an inspiration and you are a motivator, you're determined, you're a strong person in the boardroom. And I am looking forward to your next adventure, which is just fantastic. So congratulations on your, your new appointment. What attracted you to their brand? You know, well, um, I've worked with them over the years um, in my previous mm -hmm. role um, and uh, the, I didn't know too much about the brand. They're very, uh, you know, they work very heavily with Family Fund, which is a great, um, a great uh, right. charity to for them to be part of, etc. Um, what really attracted me to going to work um, for them is the people. So, you know, I met with the shareholder uh -huh. and the um, the CEO. Um, and I cannot tell you what a breath of fresh air it is to sit in a room and have a conversation and be so aligned. And the feeling you get um, is so positive. Um, wow. And I truly believe that they will 
um, allow me to go in and work with them and work with the great teams that they have. Um, and, you know, they've got some areas of focus, such as homeworking that we're going to work, which is a real passion of mine, which we're going to work on and work to build. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't tried to tell me, you know, they. it's very much an us, it's very aligned. And the feeling I get from, from them is just incredible. And I'm really fortunate. I don't know whether that's, you know, a reflection on me as well, because I've had this time and I'm really fortunate that I'm going into what I feel is a business that cares, um, that wants to be better. The opportunities there are huge. And there's some really, I can't say too much, but there's such some exciting things coming down the line (laughs) with them. So um, I'm even more excited to get involved in them. But ultimately, it was the people that decided it for me. Absolutely. It, I can just hear and see the energy inside you, the excitement of, of that opportunity. And I think when you find a company that's aligned with your values, you know, you yeah. can be creative, you can be innovative, you have a opportunity to make your mark and be able to do it for the greater good of the business and the people and of course for you. And I I've always said this, you know, the pursuit of happiness is not happiness. We're pursuing the wrong thing. We should be pursuing fulfillment. And I think very much this is what you're going to get with your company, which leads to happiness, growth, progress, everything. We wish you so much luck, Lisa Henning, in your new venture. And I just want to say an enormous thank you for sharing the innermost parts of your life, you know, from start to finish. It's been a wonderful journey to be on with you and I hope that our listeners really get some great advice and think do you know what I feel inspired because I know that I do but thank you so much for taking the time today thank you for having me speak to you soon bye bye 